podcast is brought to you with the support of Caseload from De Novo Business Intelligence. Coming up in this week's episode of the Hay Legal Podcast. Ali Thompson of Hay Legal chats to David Lodd of One Year No Beer. We discuss the impact of alcohol on performance and well-being and the benefits that One Year No Beer can have. I just think we are not aware of some of the insidious damage that alcohol can have on our lifestyles. Relationships have been rekindled. Lifestyles have been dramatically improved. And, it, and it, I don't want to make it sound like it's a, like a cure or like some sort of magic treatment. David then talks about how law firms can engage with the One Year No Beer Challenge. You could be running a challenge on behalf of a charity and you could be running a challenge as part of a team building exercise. And you've suddenly got a, a workforce that is far more engaged, positive and confident than you had previously. David also shares some advice from his time running his own law firm. But when it comes to the business, I think um, the entrepreneurial flair that drives a lot of businesses these days needs to be adopted in the legal sector. A lot coming up in this week's show, so let's begin. David, thank you so much for uh, joining us and coming on to the Hay Legal uh, podcast. Um, David is from One Year No Beer, and today we're going to talk about the impact of alcohol upon uh, performance and upon general well-being and obviously within professions there can be significant stresses and that can often be the catalyst towards issues around uh, misusing alcohol. So could I just ask you David first of all about the negative impacts of um, alcohol consumption in terms of performance and well-being? I think the the best way uh to start that, Ali, is by giving you the story of, of how One Year No Beer came about. Yes. Two guys were working in the uh, in the city. They're all brokers and working the very stressful life that that job entailed, earning very healthy salaries but not living a healthy lifestyle. And their job entailed uh, whining and dining and looking after clients pretty much every day of the week and sometimes into the weekend. So they'd be drinking fairly heavily in those sessions. And... Uh, Ruri, who's one of the founders, um, had a bit of a light bulb moment on one occasion after a very heavy lunch session. He uh, decided it would be a good idea to stick his head out of a train, uh, a bit like the dogs do in these nice sort of gifs and memes that you see of of, uh, of the wind catching their cheeks. Um, he was doing the same thing, videoed himself, um, but of course he was he was completely off his head and um, realised when he'd sobered up he could quite easily easily have actually lost his head uh, in that process. Um, and whilst he was living that lifestyle, also he, he looked around, he could see that it was affecting his relationships with his, with his partner, uh, with his work colleagues. And his work colleagues were very much of the mind that you couldn't stop that lifestyle because it was part and parcel of the job. But he decided to cut against the grain and um, stopped, stopped drinking. And associated health issues such as IBS and, and anxiety uh, were very quickly eradicated after a few weeks of giving up the drink. And he did, he, he moved on to understand that he'd grown in confidence, that he could then start to take on new initiatives in his workplace, such as actually a healthy alternative, going to the gym, not going to the bar. And um, I think this started to, to upset one or two of the people that worked with him because of the lifestyle they'd got, they'd got used to. 
Um, but Rui decided that he he needed to spread the word, seeing the benefits that he'd gained from from stopping drinking. Uh, and a colleague of his, uh, Andy, uh, Andy Ramage, he also uh, decided at the same time he was going to give up. Andy was an ex-footballer, been used to being quite fit, but had put on a lot of weight with his uh, his his lifestyle, being a, being a broker. And these guys together formed One Year No Beer, which was a very simple website and a, and a very simple Facebook community. And their mission was going to be, they're going to do it for nothing. And uh, and and so what they, they realised is that they'd suddenly um, tapped into a huge demand and actually that uh, altruism uh, couldn't be sustained. And uh, actually one of the other outputs of that is the fact that people like to commit to something about like a gym membership. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they decided that they might have to start charging people for the privilege, they um, they found that actually the, the membership increased and didn't go down. Just through increased engagement and commitment yeah, to the yeah. challenge? The way they broke it down is they, they, they looked at uh, three sets of challenges. Uh, initially, that was a 28-day, 90-day and a 365-day challenge. Um, from looking at the the outputs on that, it's actually the ninety day challenge that seems to be the one that's that's most popular. And there's there's something that happens to the brain. The twenty eight days a bit like Stoptober and Dry January. Yeah, we're all used to those initiatives, and and it's great. You know, you can you can say to yourself, "I am not an alcoholic. I got through this. I didn't have a drink. Aren't I great? Right now, where's the booze? Because I've now finished." Yeah, and people get straight back on it after their uh, after their achievement. With the 90-day challenge, which I've taken myself, um, I, I could see at around about day 45, day, day, towards day 50, the brain does something strange. It's almost like you've taught yourself that you don't really need this anymore and it's, it's no longer that, that, that desire that, that might have been there before. The habits that you get into, maybe you're in the supermarket and it's, it's Friday and it's, or it's Saturday and you're thinking about the evening and what are you going to do? You're going to buy some, you're going to buy a drink, you're going to buy a bottle of wine, you're going to buy some beers or whatever, or you're going to go out with friends. Um, so we've all experienced, uh, maybe I know somebody who has, we've done it ourselves, the Stoptober or Dry January, uh, where you can give up alcohol for a month and prove to yourself you're not an alcoholic and, and you feel very pleased with yourself. But what do you do as soon as you finish the challenge? Straight back onto it. Quite right, Ali. And and that and that that sort of defeats a bit of an object, really, because if you're actually giving your body a rest, anybody's thanking you for it. Um, but as soon as you get back on it, you're probably going to binge drink, and you're doing all the things you really shouldn't be doing. And what I discovered from doing the ninety day challenge, which is which is one of the more popular um, of the three, for one year no beer is that after about 45, 50 days, there's a, there's a, there's a switch in the brain that, that clicks over and that sudden feeling of wanting to have a drink or needing that drink dissipates. It, it goes away. You, you don't feel so much as if you're, when you're walking in the supermarket and, and I used to spend far too long. My, 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 my son was quite, used to get quite irritated with me because my son doesn't drink. He's, he's 20, coming up 21. And um, I would spend far too long looking at the wine labels and, and poring over which 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 bottle I was going to take home with me that night or, or bottles. Uh, that's now not a thing. I'm not at all bothered, interested. Um, I have had a drink since I finished the 90 day challenge, but I could count it on the on the fingers of one hand, yeah. and that will be now. I'm getting on for about 130, 140 days. Yeah. So in terms of like so so personally and professionally. Um, 
that there, there, there seems to be evidence which suggests this is massively beneficial to individuals if they can engage with one Eurobia. Yeah, what we find within the offering for for members with the one Eurobia is 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 not only that they get um, the, the support directly from the business, which is daily emails, podcasts, webinars, um, and advice and guidance and tips. But there's also a community. There is a there is a there is a, a group of individuals out there who are going through the same experience. And those individuals will be at various stages and they are very supportive of each other and help each other to ensure that there's no slippage and nobody steps back. Or if they do, because we're all human and it happens, they're, they're there to pick them up as well. Mm. And what what people have discovered, uh, a number of our members of which there's there's video testimonial to support that, is, is careers have been resurrected, relationships have been um, rekindled, um, lifestyles have been dramatically improved, and, it, and it, I don't want to make it sound like it's a, like a cure or like some sort of magic mm. <laughs> magic treatment. Um, I, I just think we are not aware of some of the insidious damage that alcohol can have on our lifestyles. So, in in your role currently as chief operations officer for one year, no beer, I presume you would be casting your eye around globally as to. Um, alcohol-free initiatives or an increase in that type of thinking. Is that the case? Are we seeing a reduction in people consuming alcohol or people who are trying to take steps like one year no beer to make a change? Yes, and I think the drink industry itself um, backs drink aware because they realise that that they need to take greater responsibility for the impact that it might be having on on individuals. Um, The World Health Organisation, um, has re- reported recently on the dramatic impact that alcohol consumption can have on people's lives. There was another uh, report that um, came out in the States recently where it uh, identified that 2.8 million people a year uh, are dying from alcohol-related uh, diseases. Um, that's just you know, an appalling statistic and something that I think for many years we've just overlooked because alcohol certainly in the northern hemisphere and in other countries in the world like australia uh there is a there is a there is a a cultural alignment with alcohol and um the younger generation and i mentioned my son earlier um i've got two daughters as well they're they're all much more aware of the health impact of, of 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 eating consuming certain things alcohol is a big part of that and um for the older generation, and I count myself within that, but anybody anybody over the age of 30, I think, um, has now got to start looking at the impact that, that alcohol is having on their lives. Yeah. And if we could turn now to how law firms can perhaps engage with one year no beer. So if you're running a law firm, I think it's fair to say in days gone by that the notion of um, staff well-being is not what it now is. There's very heightened awareness around mental health issues, um, general health amongst the the workforce and trying to provide a workplace culture that's a a positive thing, working in businesses that have got a a clear mission and trying to do uh, good things. So if you were listening to this podcast as a, a law firm leader or you run a department or a team, how could they as a team engage with one year no beer? 
Well, this is where I have to confess that I'd spent 13 years as a chief executive of, yes. of a law firm in the northeast of England. Um, so I, I had direct experience. I didn't, I didn't bring in um, soft play areas, nap rooms or pool tables, but I, I, I certainly was aware of um, an increasing proliferation of anxiety-related uh, issues for staff members. It is a stressful job. Being a lawyer is not the easiest job in the world. A lot of a lot of young people decide to go into the law because they think it's going to be a well-paid job, and that's that's going to be them sorted for life. As we all know, that's not always the case, um, or frequently not. And there, it, it is a stressful job. There are a lot of pressures involved with it, and how we deal with that pressure is often that we we turn to to, to things that help us to support that. Alcohol being one of them. Um, so the, the professional service sector, I think, is one in particular that, that has high proliferation of, of drinking, uh, a strong drinking culture within those that, that have been, you know, partners for a number of years and have perhaps, have perhaps seen that culture and, 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 and in some ways encouraged it. But as you say, Ali, quite rightly, there is a change now. They're looking at well-being, looking at the health uh, and, uh, and, and supporting their communities. But it's a it's a it's a win win as far as I see it because there is the responsibility of making sure you turn up to work, compass mentors and, and fully engaged. Um, but also it's the longer term health considerations of, of people who may may have a, a, a bit of a drink problem. But it's it, it, we're not here talking just about people who have um, alcoholic tendencies. We're talking about a whole spectrum of people who perhaps binge drink at weekends and don't drink during the week. All of those individuals will still have a negative uh, impact in the workplace because they won't be thinking as clearly. They'll have a foggy brain. They will be suffering from anxiety. There are there are dozens of, of negative attributes that alcohol consumption can bring um, to the party. And by engaging with uh, organisations like One Year No Beer, you can actually put a structure in place that actually can be quite entertaining. You could you could be running a challenge on behalf of a charity. You could be running a challenge as part of a team building exercise and you could see a way in which by doing so, uh, by evaluating the performance before and after, you could see exponential increases in productivity, in in being in, in the reduction of absenteeism uh, and you've, you've suddenly got a, a workforce that is far more engaged, uh, positive and confident than you had previously. Yeah. And just to be clear, this, if introduced into a firm or any type of company, would be something that was obviously entirely voluntary for people to participate in as employees. It's a very sensitive issue to to to, to bring up. We've 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 worked on a consultative basis with with a number of organisations, not least of which because it's not it's not a product that you can just buy off the shelf. It's it's something that has to be thought through. What you don't want to be doing is sending a message to your staff that you think everybody is a is a raving alcoholic. Um, clearly, they're not. Um, we did have an approach. I will tell you this: we had an approach from one organisation that felt they wanted to use one year no beer because the um, directors had decided to bring in a uh, um, an alcohol and drug testing program and thought it'd be an interesting way to make sure that, that people complied. <laughs> we we declined that opportunity yeah. because that's just not the way to do it. It's it has to be on a um, an approach which engages with with staff, engages with the employees, treats them like adults, and has an honest conversation about the fact that look, we all, you know, most of us um, will will enjoy a drink. Twenty one percent of the population 
consumes alcohol well above the chief medical officer's requirement of 14 units mm. per week. Um, so, you know, you're not, you're not going to be on your own if you're in that category. Now, there are people that are actually being honest about what they say. I think if we thought about it and we think about our immediate circle of friends, yeah. we'll probably realise that there's a vast majority of people that we know that might be in that category. Yeah. So this is just about having a conversation, starting a conversation, not pointing any fingers, but offering people the opportunity to actually change their behaviours and actually live a better life. Yeah. And out of that, the whole workplace can be elevated and can be put Absolutely. Sort of positive, yeah. positive footing. Um, and in relation to your own background then, which is obviously a very interesting one for the audience that we have with Hey Legal, so running a law firm and then moving into a very different environment or a number of different environments as you have, yeah. and we'll put links to your LinkedIn profile and, and, and your, your background. But um, when you think back to your time in the legal profession and how those businesses generally operate, is there anything you think you've, or many things I'm sure you've gained from your experience in other industries that you think could be of interest or benefit to those who run law firms currently or work in them? I think probably one of the, the biggest um, cultural changes that I've found in, in working in organisations, because I've worked in a number of um, tech-focused businesses. And, and believe it or not, when you know beer, because of the platforms that are used, uh, predominantly digital platforms and the way in which we, we communicate our offer is, is online, um, they tend to move at a, at a much faster pace. And there is, a, there is a desire to adopt a lot of new changes, a lot of new ideas far quicker uh, than I think historically the legal profession has been prepared to do so. And I think in, in the current environment that we live in, um, talking about issues such as um, smart contracts, uh, cryptocurrencies, blockchain and smart contracts, uh, even the governing body within within um, the legal world, um, law societies have been very slow in adopting and bringing any structure around how those technologies should be introduced. If that was any other um, sector, I, I'm pretty sure that there would have been far quicker uh, response to that. So I, I would just say generally that for the survival and for the for the growth of the sector, there needs to be, I think, a cultural shift in the way that decisions are made, um, the sort of skills that are brought into the organisations and the ability to, to take an element of risk. Because one thing that I do know from my time working in the legal sector is you know, you guys are pretty well risk averse um, yeah. for good reason. I mean, that that that's that's what the job is. It's about protecting client mm. position of risk. But when it comes to the business, I think um, the entrepreneurial flair that drives a lot of businesses these days needs to be adopted in the legal sector. Yeah, and, and with one year no beer, I think you've said that it is essentially a a digital experience insofar as you would. Um, go into the website, you would access a forum, you would um, look at the blog output, podcasting, yeah. social media channels to stay in touch. Um, and that's obviously something that law firms struggle with in a sense at times, the output of content that they feel is relevant to their customer base or whatever. And that's maybe something that we could touch on. But for one year, no beer, does it go beyond? Can you move into a counselling or, or mentoring? It, or it should be the counselling, I think, situation where you can actually speak to someone about yeah. trying to yeah. go through things. 
One, one thing we have to be very careful of is that, that because of the nature of the business, we can attract people or people can join as a member who have significant problems with alcohol. And our role in, in such regard is to try and identify the needs of that individual. And we have moderators within our communi- communities who can, can help um, not only identify those individuals, provide them with initial support, but if it, if it becomes apparent that they'd have genuine um, medical requirement, then, then our role then is to signpost to the appropriate um, uh, counsellors and support organisations that will be out with one year no beer. Um, we're not Alcoholics Anonymous. But having said that, there is a, there is a spectrum of, of, of need within those that come along to, uh, to take the challenges. And on occasion, you will find individuals who, for whatever reason, there can be a number of things that are happening in our lives. We live complicated, stressful lives these days. There could be any, any number of factors that are causing you to what we call reset. So you've started a challenge and you've had to reset because, well, it was something happened on that, in that day and you, you had a drink. If we find that is happening repeatedly, then we do have a counselling service called Alcohol Free Me which members can make use of so that they can have much more in-depth one-to-one coaching sessions. They can join a much smaller community and they can share if they want to, or they can keep things very much themselves, but learn from other coaches and other guest speakers who can encourage them to be able to follow a path a little bit beyond uh, the challenges and the other information that's being provided through the standard challenges. Yeah. So there's a kind of enhanced... Yes, membership element to the people could thereafter tap into. And I think as, a, as, as an organisation, you you don't know because it's you don't hand out to your staff a, a questionnaire that says, how much do you drink? Um, so it's not until you start a programme like this that maybe you do untap some latent um, issues that, that previously you'd, had not been, you'd not been aware of. And it's useful to know that there is that extra support mechanism within the programme to ensure that, that those individuals will be looked after. Mm. And obviously, employees will be listening to this, so people who work in law firms yeah. who may want to bring this type of approach to the attention of um, those who, who may be able to make decisions about getting involved, yeah. but it would be entirely confidential as regards how their usage is and anything that was the data that was created or anything of that nature. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's this um, wonderful legislation, GDPR, um, which we're all familiar with and, and the lawyers will be far more uh, adept at dealing with that than, than I would be, but we are compliant. We would absolutely retain confidentiality. Any information that is shared with the employer in the programmes that we run is purely on a redacted basis in terms of, comp- of confidential information. It's simply on numbers of people that have signed up and how many people have continued with the programme. If individuals um, are wanting to speak on a, on a private basis about a particular issue they might be having, that will not be shared with employers. Mm-hmm. Well, David, thank you so much for the dis- discussion today. We've covered a number of different topics uh, I'm sure that our listenership will be um, very engaged in listening to that and that um, the one year no beer offering will be looked into by them and hopefully they will consider introducing it into their practice. You're very welcome, Ali. And just a, a final word and plug for one year no beer. Any of the, the listeners who would be interested in this programme, either to talk to the, their HR departments or to contact us directly and to mention, to reference your podcast, which I'm sure you're going to make your release. Yes. Um, we will be happy to provide a discount for those members. 
Fantastic. David, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Hey Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit heylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more with Hey Legal.